This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Speed Series episodes are straight to the point, no BS answers to listener-submitted questions. If you have a question and want it answered, submit your question using the link in the description. Thanks for listening, and good luck this season. Welcome to Latitude Speed Series Q&A. Thank you for listening to today's show. I really appreciate it. The main in session will still launch every Friday. This is just a bonus episode that will launch on Mondays. I receive a bunch of messages on Facebook and Instagram that, to be honest with you, just deserve a much more detailed response than I can possibly give through text or message. And that's where the show was born. Each week, we're going to sit down and dissect a listener question. And the format of that's going to be short, sweet, straight to the point. We want to get the information out there in a timely manner and make it as easily digestible as possible. So I hope you guys enjoy that format. If you have any feedback, please reach out to me and let me know. I really appreciate that. And keep asking those questions. Before we get into today's show, there's one more thing that we need to cover, and that is the Latitude Carbon SS Climbing Stick giveaway. We ended up having 90 great questions. So thank you all once again for that. We put those questions in numerical order, we threw them in a number generator, and the winner of that is Colin Stoltzfus. Colin, congratulations on your new climbing sticks. We will be reaching out to get your information and get those shipped over as soon as possible. Now let's get into today's show. All right, this morning we have Ethan Eskew on the line. Ethan, thanks for uh, hopping on the show this morning. Yeah, man, uh, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, we got a good question to go over. I'm excited to kind of dissect this um, from your point of view as well as my own. Yeah, I'm really excited. Let's dive right into it. Yeah, so today's question is by Pete.Geertz on Instagram. Uh, the question is, since it's the end of spring, early summer, what are the best things to be looking for while scouting? Any no-nos while scouting? And what things are essential for success in the fall? First off, Pete, thanks for uh, sending the question in. That is a great question. There's a lot to unfold there. So yeah, that's it's the end of spring right now. We're getting into early summer and the process is kind of shifting a little bit. So 
it really depends on, for me anyways, how much intel I already have in an area and how intimate I am with those areas. If it's a spot that I'm not intimate with, I'm still going to be out putting boots on the ground a lot, just trying to locate good areas. And then I'll dissect the sign and everything else after that. But generally this time of year in my home state, it's an area that I'm fairly intimate with and familiar with. And so for me, it's right now is a matter of getting my cameras ready. That's the next step for me is late June, early July. I want to be able to go out and get all my cameras in the woods in the areas that I want to have them. And I already have a pretty good idea of where I want to run those cameras. And then for me, as summer progresses, we're going to get into glassing quite a bit. And really my first, like the first thing I'm trying to accomplish during the summer months is inventory. I'm trying to find a deer that I want to chase this fall and just build up that inventory in as wide of a net as possible. Ethan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with what you said, especially about it depends on if you're talking about a property that you're very intimate with, or even a you can switch that too. Like if you're after a deer that you have history with, but maybe you've been after a deer for a couple of years, but you haven't been able to have success on a certain property. So you start you start trying to acquire some pieces next to it or nearby, you know, to try to come at that deer from some different angles. Um, it's kind of a loaded question, but, uh, you know, being as at the end of spring for me, those properties that I'm intimate with, I'm not going to be out there boots on the ground, just hammering them, you know, cause I've done that for years and years. Just like you said, I understand those. Those are going to be more of a wait until more of the summer. Try to pick up the deer that I think are still there, glassing cameras, and then develop a plan for the fall. Um, this time of year, you know, it's late May right now. So, yeah, we're at the very end of spring, getting into kind of the peak of summer. You know, right now is kind of a weird time frame specifically because by now, most of my spring scouting would have been finished. but my glassing is going to be picking up really heavy here in about a month. Um, so this is almost kind of a, a lull period. Um, one thing I will say that, you know, I don't live by ag, but if you do live by ag, the thing I like about late May, early June is the corn is still really short. And I've taken this time of year to glass the corn when it's still short. And those bucks are not even nearly fully developed, but I've seen really big deer in early June in short cornfields that you know are going to be giants. Like you just, you know, they're going to be giants. Um, and those deer get harder to see sometimes as the summer progresses and all the vegetation grows. Sometimes they're not hitting the beans, you know, early enough to, to be seen. So that's one thing that I would kind of drop for listeners to maybe think about or key in on in, in this kind of rough time frame if they're around corn. So that's kind of, I guess you and I have a very similar approach to that. We do. And, and let's take a step back real quick and look at this question from a different point of view now. So that's kind of what I have going on. That's what you have going on. We have generally a lot of time to scout in spring, but let's look at this question as the guy that doesn't have a ton of time to scout out in the spring. And if you were actually out in the woods scouting right now in a new area, what would you be looking for? Yeah. And that's applicable to me. You know, as we've talked about you and I a lot, you know, I'm, I'm moving to a new area next week. So this is extremely applicable to me. Uh, I am going to be going to a new state, new areas, new deer, leaving all my, you know, comfort behind. And I'm going to be doing 
very similar to what I would be doing in February and March. I'm going to be boots on the ground, checking out areas. And with that vegetation being so tall and thick, especially in the type of habitat that I personally like to hunt, like I love to hunt really thick stuff. It's harder to scout this time of year just because the visibility is so low. But I'm going to be putting boots on the ground. I'm going to be checking access points. You know, you can you can still see rubs for sure. Scrapes sometimes get overgrown by this time of year. But if you find those those perennial scrapes that are open 365 days a year, you know, if you find a big open torn open scrape now, it's like okay, that's that's something that you need to mark and key in on and 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 figure out why it's there and and, and what's coming to it. You know, but yeah, like I said. It's just general figuring out a lay of the land, you know, figuring out how the terrain rolls, um, the trails, you know, the primary deer trails are pretty visible this time of year. The secondary buck trails can sometimes not be visible this time of year. And that's where it really just takes some experience, intuition, and woodsmanship to kind of identify this is how the masses of deer are moving through this area. But I think now this is talking kind of rut scouting. If a buck is going to perpendicular travel all these primary deer travel routes to scent check, you know, that's where you kind of read the terrain and you think, okay, all these deer are heading west to this field. This buck's going to be running north-south, probably through this low point, you know, trying to stay hidden. It's just harder because the vegetation's all grown up and you can't actually see that when sometimes in like February and March, you can see that faint trail that they made in the rut a few months ago. But that's what I would be doing as far as boots on ground. It's, it's very, very similar to what any spring scouting is for you or me or anyone else. It's, it's just a little different because it's so much thicker. It's hard to pick shooting lanes sometimes. Like I know for a fact I've picked trees in June and July in the past and I look at it and I'm like oh man this is too thick I'm only going to see 10 yards and then I get in there in November and it's like oh I can shoot 60 yards you know like this is way different or you look at it and you're like okay all these leaves are going to fall and I'm going to be able to this is going to be pretty open and you get in there and you can see like eight yards you know so it makes it more difficult and it's not ideal but if it's the only time that you have, you have to make the most of it and not just throw your hands up in the air and say, well, you know, February and March are gone, so I can't spring scout. You could spring scout all year, essentially, um, what I consider, you know, quote, spring scouting. But that's kind of my view on it. And I know that you did something, basically the exact same thing that I'm talking about when you first moved to Ohio. So maybe touch on your point of view when you... Because you moved in June, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the beginning of June. And you hit on a lot of really good points. And the thing that I really want people to take away from this is like, it's much more difficult. So don't get discouraged because instead of finding a ton of good sign all over the place, like you're just not going to have the same, you're not going to find the same amount of sign just because there's so much greenery and there's so much undergrowth, like everything's just grown up. So one thing that I think is really important this time of year is forget covering as much ground as possible, like in the earlier part of spring where you can just run around and you can locate sign from a hundred yards away. You know, you can see good rubs and you can see good scrapes and everything. What I like to do is I really try to slow down a lot this time of year. So I'll go into a piece and I might go in there multiple times and just really try to fine tune and dissect it because you're just going to have to 
everything you do is going to have to be on a smaller scale. You're just, you don't want to overlook things. And I've done that in the past. And that's a mistake that I used to do a lot. And I've learned from it quite a bit. It's just getting in these areas in the summertime and just overlooking a lot of things because I'm flying around way too fast. So for me, I tell myself when I get out there, even with cameras, even with cameras on my back, I just say, slow down, like just pay a lot of attention, focus. You don't have to put in 20 miles a day in the summertime. Just go out with a purpose. And it really, if you can find one valuable thing every trip, it's a successful trip. And, you know, it's, it's probably successful even if you don't find that. But that one valuable thing is just an absolute success. So that's what I'm focused on is one valuable thing every time I go out. You know, I still will go find beds. It's a lot more difficult to find beds this time of year. But I feel like the beds that you find, and it, this is, this is going to be terrain-based. So everybody listening to this, like I'm speaking about my experiences in early season, which is mainly just going to be New York and Ohio and the hills. And in the hills and like a big wood setting, typically this time of year, the beds that I'm finding that are being used right now are going to be beds that are used that first week of season. And that's going to, there's a lot that goes into that. But in general, I would say that that's the case. And then you have a lot of factors like obviously bedding is going to shift if you have a white oak flat pop up a half mile away and it's the only hot one and there's a good bedding area over there. Like they're going to move. But in general, it seems like when I find beds this time of year and I put cameras nearby, I have a lot of success targeting that same deer, the opener. And I think a lot of that has to do with the spots I'm picking too. I'm picking generally a hub system that has a lot of diversity, that has a lot of different food sources. So I'm kind of like pooling everything up and it just makes these good spots. But I will say that when you find a bed this time of year, I think it's more valuable than when you find, and it's easier to dissect than when you find those early spring beds because they're kind of all over the place. You know what I like? That's just my thought process anyways. So I, I agree with you on everything that you said. And the only thing I'll add is slow down. And when you find sign, it's probably going to be a very valuable sign. And same thing with scrapes. It's just like the bedding. If you find scrapes right now, they're probably perennial scrapes and big scrapes, unless you have a keen eye. But like me walking through the woods in the summertime, when I find a scrape, normally I'm like, I'm putting a camera there because that's a big worn in scrape where I would have walked right by it. So that's kind of my thought process as far as as far as boots on the ground scouting. Those are pretty much the only things I'm looking for. I do have different tactics as I get later into the summer. If I'm really in a pinch, I've talked about it before, but I don't mind walking ridge tops on leeward ridges that have like an open bottom and then the other hillsides open and just bumping deer mm-hmm. and getting a just getting a visual or an idea of where those deer are coming from. It's actually a really good way to find beds because you're like, man, he just popped up over there. I'm going to go over there and see if there's a bed and there's a big bed. So it's a good way to find beds, but it's also a good way to get inventory if you're really in a pinch. And that's what I did when I moved down here in 2019 was just bump a lot of deer. And I saw some really big deer doing that. And it kind of tipped me off to a couple areas. So I would say that that's something that this early part of summer I'm really focused on. Obviously, when you bump a deer right now, they're going to have nubs. Like I've I've done that quite a bit hanging cameras, bumped deer with really big bases, and I'm like, man, that's a that's going to be a that's an old mature deer. I don't know what he's going to have on his head completely, but he's got the frame and he's got what he needs to at least be a big deer. So, just another option there. Any no nos while scouting is the second part of that question. 
for me, I really, I, I would say the no-no was like getting in the mindset of trying to just put on miles. That would be the one no-no I would say is don't set a mileage goal for yourself in the summertime. If you're a very like goal oriented person, don't try to hit a specific mark because you're just going to walk by a lot of good stuff. Focus on having that keen eye, focus on slowing down. And for me, that's about it. You know, I don't mind, I don't mind getting into bedding areas and bumping deer pretty much all summer. We, I, I talk about that a lot. Um, but besides that, I really don't have any, any no-nos to you. Yeah, I would, you know, it's funny you said you keyed in on that slow down phrase and I look back to my own summer scouting, my, that led to success and I would have looked at it from the phrase of being very particular, like instead of, like you said, don't run 20 miles more so, okay, here's this one little spot on a map and like I think this is going to be a really killer spot or kind of a general area I'm going to go in here and I might spend eight hours in this little section whereas in the spring you can blow through it in you know 45 minutes you know like you're saying because you can see so much I would agree with you don't go in just trying to blaze miles and just you know be very particular and slow down just be very analytical with what you're looking at this time of year because it's just more difficult but when you slow down and you're more analytical you can pick up probably 90 percent of the same clues honestly it's just more difficult to attain another no-no i would say is which is kind of contradictory to what you and i have both already said is in this time frame this june time frame if you see a big deer with big bases don't assume that it's going to be a giant in September or, you know, to come fall because I glass a lot. And, you know, with me living where I've lived for been hunting here for a decade, I've watched a lot of deer kind of progress year to year. And I've compared this deer and this deer and this deer year after year. And some deer will put on their inches much faster than other deer and some deer will put on inches much slower and more gradually some and this is gets very apparent by mid-july you know every year i've got certain deer that are they're done growing like they might put on five inches total from mid-july to mid-august and then i've got other deer that they're three quarters of the way done in mid-july and they really pack on inches at the end of the year and i've seen those specific deer kind of follow that same growth trend year after year. You know, we're not affected by drought or anything very much in this region of the country like some other regions are, primarily out west where it's a lot more dry. So you can kind of track those growth trends year after year with individual deer. But that's a no-no for me is if I see one big deer in June, now granted, like I said, sometimes you see certain deer, you know, if you can see bases bigger, as big around as your bicep and you know, their brow time is already nine inches and they've got a drop time starting. You know, I saw a deer like that one time and it's like, that's going to be a giant, you know, <laughs> like it was like June 4th or something. Um, That's going to be a giant. But for the most part, don't see him one time. Just assume he's going to be a giant unless you're just after an old deer, no matter what he ends up, um, then you can assume that. But just take it as a key piece of information and then try to revisit that deer through cameras or glassing throughout the summer to see how he actually develops. That would be another no-no for me. 
But other than that, yeah, I'm not scared to jump deer, especially this time of year. I would not care at all to jump deer. So, you know, leaving scent or disturbing anything, it really doesn't matter to me this time of year. On the flip side of that thing, a no-no for me is being too cautious this time of year. Don't be scared to jump deer. Don't be scared to leave scent. You know, you have to have, you have to have that information if you want to hunt it effectively. And I think that kind of segues for me into the very last part of this question where, you know, he asks what things are essential for success in the fall. And I think it's everything we've been talking about. But if you go into a place in June and you're tiptoeing around because you don't want to jump these deer up or you don't want to pressure this buck, you're setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion, because you're not diving into getting the critical information and intel you need to hunt that spot effectively. So for me, the no-no is, you know, be too timid and cautious. And what sets you up for success is just getting in there and getting the intel you need. If you haven't gotten it already earlier in the spring, then you have to get in there and get it. That's, that's kind of the, you know, all enveloping answer for me. I, I like that a lot. And I completely agree. For me, Intel is the most important thing. And I will disregard everything else to make sure that I have what I need. If I don't have the Intel and the confidence I need going into season, I'm just not going to take a, I'm not going to take a stab at that deer at that point. Uh, so as far as, you know, getting into these areas and bumping deer, leaving scent or anything like that, like as summer progresses, do you have a cutoff for when you don't want to be that aggressive anymore? Or will you be that aggressive if you don't have the intel right up until the, the opener? I'll be that aggressive if I don't have the intel to the last day of season. I love it. They're 365. If I don't have the intel, like I don't, you know, now we do everything we possibly can to get that intel before, but, you know, sometimes things don't go your way in season. Maybe you killed a buck in this state and now you're hunting this state, or maybe you've got three target deer and one of them got hit by a car and the other two got shot. Now you got to, there's a bunch of things that can make you need to get that Intel mid season. And I've been there and I have just jumped the heck out of deer. And like you said, a lot of times jumping deer is good Intel. And I've not personally done this, but I know a lot of people do this is the bump and dump. So some people do it on purpose. And I think a lot of people could do it by chance you know you bump a deer scouting in season scouting you bump this giant try to kill him you know you know where he was laying two seconds ago try to kill him you know he might circle back in half an hour he might circle back tomorrow morning but that gives you an opportunity at least so yeah to answer your question jake you know as far as the cutoff i don't have a cutoff now my cutoff is once i have the intel but if i don't have the intel you have to get the intel. And I made that mistake so much when I was younger. Yeah, a couple weeks before season, okay, I'm staying out of the woods, can't can't get in here, can't disturb it, but I don't have the intel I need, but I'm still going to stay out. And I didn't, I didn't kill as effectively when I did that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I've experienced the same thing and I've learned from those mistakes. And the one thing I will say from an intel standpoint and a confidence standpoint is you have to trust your scouting abilities and your intel as well. And you have to trust your gut feeling because, you know, say the guy goes out and he gets all of the intel that he needs. He's a week out of season. He has everything that he needs to kill 
but all of a sudden he gets in his own head and he doesn't think he has what he needs. And then he goes in and he over intrudes on an area that he already knows and he, he already has the information because he doesn't trust what he's learned. So I would say that trusting what you've learned in your process is very important as well because you can definitely find yourself over intruding when you don't need to. So you, the, the hardest thing to manage for me is like what intel is good intel and when is enough enough to go kill the deer and when do I need to quit intruding? You know what I mean? Because you could, you could every time you go in there, you're going to gain a little bit of intel. But what's the cutoff for having enough to go kill him? I think when you can figure that out, you're going to be really effective at killing deer. So there's a point of diminishing returns with that. You know, you have to gain enough intel to get to the point where you're like, okay, I think I can kill this buck. You sacrifice pressure to get there most of the time anyways, unless you're glassing from afar solely, which I've done that too. That's ideal. But a lot of times you're sacrificing, you're putting pressure and you you hit this point, like you said, where you have enough information and you can keep pressing, you can keep getting more information, but the more you press and the more information you gain, now you're starting to shoot yourself in the foot. You know, this is an extreme example, but if you find the buck, you know where he's betting, you think you can, he's going from point A to point B every day. Okay. Back out. Like you don't need to do anything else. If you understand where he's betting, you understand the terrain between point A and point B, you understand where you're going to hunt, on what wind direction. If you have this all laid, you don't need to go in there. Um, what I would do then is just try to gain more information from afar. And I've done that a lot. You know, I've killed quite a few deer now that I've found them early. I know where they're betting and I know where they're feeding. And I may lay back and glass the feeding area or glass a pipeline or power line that is through between A to B and just, okay, that buck crossed at 823 tonight. Okay, he didn't come out the next night. The next day he crossed at right at dark. Okay, the next day he crossed an hour before dark. And I've done this. I've glassed a deer dozens of times sometimes and then recorded on literally on a notepad this buck at this time this spot okay he entered the field in this corner on this day at this time okay the next day he didn't come out if you can do that you can really correlate okay on this weather pattern he's coming earlier on this wind direction he's coming earlier okay this wind direction he's consistently coming earlier so is it weather based or is it he's betting closer to the food source because of this wind. Okay, let me revisit what I know about the betting areas. Let me revisit a map. Okay, on a west wind, he's probably betting here. That's 250 yards closer to the field than if it's a south wind, he's betting up on this ridge, you know. So it's, you can still continue to gain information. But for me, once I have enough information that I feel like I can kill him, then it's gain as much information as you can without diminishing returns. Yeah, just almost verification at that point. Like you're, you're just much. verifying yeah. the intel that you have and you're just keeping an eye on them. I think that's a great idea. And it kind of brings up one thing that we we kind of touched on, but I just want to really hit home with it before we wrap this episode up is the other thing that I'm really looking for throughout summer and spending a lot of time doing is trying to verify what food sources I'm going to have for the fall. And that could be driving around and figuring out where your bean fields are, where your corn fields at, where's your alfalfa. Where's your grass fields? What kind of acorns do you have for the year? So as I'm hanging cameras and as I'm pulling cameras, I'm really starting to try to glass for acorns. And when I'm pulling them, a lot of them are starting to fall, especially the good white oak flats. 
So as I'm pulling my cameras to get that inventory, I'm also trying to get intel of the hot food at the time. And if I had one tip for killing big deer in the big woods, it would be make sure that you're in verifying food sources before you strike on a deer because he might not be there. Like I can locate a hundred white oak flats and only 10 of them will be hot next year. And, and so only one if of those I'm 10 on, will have a big deer. And only exactly. And so if I'm hunting an oak flat, if I go into hunt an oak flat just based off of scouting it in the spring and I said there was a white oak flat there, chances are I'm going to get into that spot and there's not going to be any acorns. And so making sure that a couple weeks out of season, this is huge for me. I'm sure some people will disagree, but making sure that a couple weeks out from season, I'm going out and verifying the food sources are actually active and being utilized or being close to being utilized, preferably finding sign. And generally I'll have cameras nearby anyways, and then I'll be able to get that inventory of what buck is making the sign on that food source. And that's how I strike in the first couple of days. So and I know that you have a very, very similar thing and whether you're doing it on, on an ag field or on on acorns, just like me, you're kind of trying to, you know, figure out those those food sources as summer progresses. Yeah, and I want to add something to that. <clears throat> just to kind of break it down from my point of view, just a touch more, is this time of year you need to locate the food source. And I guess that kind of went without speaking, but you're right. We should probably touch on that. This time of year is a great time of year to locate those food sources if you don't already have them located. Locate, like you said, where are your crops? What crops are they? Where are your grass fields? Go around, drive around in glass because if they're hitting a grass field a ton right now, they're probably going to hit it all year. You know, and I've noticed for whatever reason, certain fields just get hit a lot harder than others. And with oak trees, figure out where your reds, where your whites, where your chestnuts, figure all that out. Where your apple trees, if you're down south, persimmons, pear trees, any type of soft mast, and then go back in. For me, you have to go back in, like you said, and re-verify before season to make sure it's producing the mast that you need to attract the deer. Because it doesn't matter if there's an oak tree there or an apple tree. If it doesn't have acorns or apples, it's just another tree, you know? So it's not a food source at that point. It's just a tree. So you have to go back in and re-verify. And I like to personally do that to with as little impact as possible. So I may go in during a rainstorm or right before a rainstorm or, you know, figure out some way, you know, midday or I've done it at night, you know, before rain or during, just try to do it with as little impact as possible. But if you have to make an impact, you have to make an impact because like we said earlier, you have to have that intel, you know, so if you have a hundred flats and only 10 of them have acorns and then only one of the 10 has a big buck, if you just find a hundred flats and you go to try to hunt, you know, sequentially through those hundred flats, one out of the hundred is, you know, and you only have seven days in the first week of season, your odds aren't, your mathematical odds are not good. So yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. You got to re-verify, especially in the big woods. Um, you, you can't glass it. So you got to get in there and verify that the food source is producing. I completely agree. And all right. So this was, it was a great question. I think that we covered quite a bit. So let's just do a recap real quick. So we covered getting out and putting boots on the ground and trying to really slow down. We covered doing a lot of glassing. We covered locating and still verification of the food sources and then running those cameras, getting them out and checking them for me would be like two or three weeks before season. That's typically how I do it. So 
Do you have anything to add to that? No. I mean, I think we're pretty much on the same page with everything we talked about. That is perfect. Well, hey, Pete, we really appreciate you sending in the question. That was a great first question. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did enjoy it, please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and a written review. We will see you Friday. Thanks, Pete. That was a good question. It was a good talk. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.